You promise your child they can grow up to become who they want to be. We know college is expensive, but YouPromise.com lets you save extra money for your child's future by doing the everyday things you already do. Save for college when shopping online or even on your weekly grocery store runs. Link any college savings plan with a free YouPromise account for worry-free college savings deposited each month. Sign up today at YouPromise.com for a $30 welcome bonus. Start now at YouPromise.com. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. As you know... The Business of Sports podcast is presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use that promo code PODCAST1. You receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag. Let's start this podcast with our rant of the week. It is Combine Week in the NFL, and there's no bigger business week in the NFL than at the Combine. The business of the NFL is very much in display even though it's quote-unquote is not the 2019 league year, which doesn't start till March 13th. But here's what happens. All the agents are there, all the teams are there, there's a lot of business. In my time as a negotiator, capologist, vice president, general counsel of the Packers, I would set up shop. We were in the Omni Hotel in Indianapolis. We'd set up one corner. I'd look over. There's the Chargers setting up. There's the Falcons setting up. There's the Broncos setting up in our hotel. Agents would come through. They'd have four teams to deal with. And you know, agents would talk about their player on our team that maybe even doesn't need a contract, just a relationship builder. Maybe a player does need a contract. Maybe a player's becoming a free agent. We want to get to them. Maybe a player's unhappy with their contract, and you have to listen and try to deal with whatever issues there's going on. As to the tampering discussions, yes, they happen, but they're always couched. Listen, I would say to agents, and you know I wasn't a big player in free agency with the Packers, but... You would say to agents, you know, if your guy is free, you know, your incumbent team doesn't sign him in the next two weeks, what are you looking for? It's not tampering. It's finding out what's going on. So, yes, we would have those discussions. Every team does. And if there is some allegation of tampering, most agents have players on all the teams. So they always use the cover of, no, no, we were talking about that guy, that player on the team. We weren't talking about a future free agent. But, I mean, we're all adults here. I mean, we know what goes on. You talk to agents about what it takes, and agents pre-qualify their free agents at the combine. In other words, agents will come away from the combine knowing that they've got three teams willing to meet the price, which is, say, it's, you know, $5 million a year, $15 million guaranteed. Okay, they've got three teams, and then it comes to March 11th, and they figure out, okay, who's the most serious? And then you're looking at, okay, door number two, those kind of things. So, The guesswork is taken out of free agency pretty much at the combine. In terms of what goes on on the board, these teams have been grinding since mid-January. The area scouts have come in. They put the board together. The Magna Carta of draft is the board. And the combine doesn't move much. I mean, you're talking about a guy may move up half a round with the incredible 40 time or incredibly bad 40 time. 
A good combine may solidify him in the first round, second round, wherever it is. But people don't get too excited about combine results. They never move a player too much. The other part of the combine I mentioned, I didn't go in a dome. I'm not a scout. I'm not looking at the guy. I think that's kind of boring, but people get into that. Sitting at the interviews, I would ask to sort of look for character, look for different things. I, you know, After they answer all the questions about the 3-4, the 4-3, the vertical offense, the West Coast, the way they handle certain defenses if they're quarterback or offensive lineman, I would ask this. I would say, tell me what you do when you get up in the morning. Uh, brush my teeth. Tell me what you do before you brush your teeth. Uh, get dressed. Tell me what you do before you get dressed. Uh, go to the bathroom. I would say, okay, here's what I'm looking for. I tell the coaches this and the player, and I just wanted to find out who's the guy that's doing 50 push-ups first thing out of bed. Who's the guy that's making a to-do list? Who's the guy that gets up, puts that little flashlight on, do a little studying, not wake up the roommate? Because I have found that the greatest indicators of future success are self-motivation, self-starter, self-discipline. That's what I was looking for. And you know what? We found it a few times. We found guys. I told the coaches and scouts, like, I don't know where this guy's going to go. But if this is a choice between him and someone else in the fourth round, fifth round, whatever, take this guy. He's got a self-motivation that's admirable that's going to pick up the character and work ethic of his position group with us. And it worked a couple times. It works. I'm happy to say that. That's my rant of the week. It's the business of the sports big, full effect in a whirl in Indianapolis at the Combine. By the way, I don't think it'll be in Indianapolis much longer. we got L.A. and Vegas coming online. That's where these Combines are going to be down the road, in my opinion. We'll get to our guest in a minute. It's going to be a special guest this week. First, a word from MetPro. MetPro has been a sponsor on this podcast before, you know, and actually has been an interview on this podcast before with Angelo Poli. He's the founder. He's an expert in metabolic profiling, and that's what MetPro does. It's a proven platform. You transform your bodies. You transform your nutrition. There's data. The individual data identifies the best nutrition, the best training for you all individualized. You get a baseline, see where you are. You take those results, simple action steps. They understand we're busy. I'm busy. Busy schedules, stressful lives. They work one-on-one. Get your specific response to diet and activity. Make adjustments on your goals and needs. Again, people spend all this time working out, not knowing how to work out, not knowing how to eat. They do it for you. So go to metpro.co slash BOS. That's metpro.co slash BOS business of sports. The best in nutrition, training, and metabolic profiling is MetPro. Now on to our guest. I had Charlie Eversall, the founder of the AAF, Alliance for American Football, a few weeks ago and told me how healthy the league was as we went into the first week. And then we saw this bombshell story that they're having trouble making payroll in week two And the bigger story that Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, jumped in and paid, according to reports, $250 million, a quarter billion dollars to save the league, keep it afloat, get the league at proper footing, and now named chairman of the Alliance of American Football. I reached out. I said, I want to talk to this guy. And they were kind enough to get back to me and say, sure, he'll love to talk to you. So here he is. Without further ado, the new chairman and lead investor in the Alliance for American Football Tom Dundon. Tom, welcome. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate it. And um, admire of you in the business world and now, of course, the sports world as well. But if you wouldn't mind sort of bringing us up to speed before we get to your newest title on sort of your background, 
Uh, I know you went to SMU and I know you had a uh, restaurant in Fort Worth and got involved with a business with some subprime automobile financing. So take us up to uh, you getting involved before you even got involved with the um, with the hurricane. Some of your background, I think our listeners would be interested in knowing. Yeah, you know, I, I um, now grew up probably lower middle class and went to college because you were told to go to college, didn't really know why, and right. started a little business after college, and it went really poorly. And some friends came to see me because they were starting a, an idea to start a business, and that sounded better than what I was doing. So I went and did that, and we did some stuff in the for car dealerships and ultimately became a finance company, which was very different than the original idea. But you know, no real plan. Just very fortunate along the way, and you know, embraced embraced technology and analytics early. Even when I first started, you know, our server room, it took a room full of computers to do what we can now do on our iPhone. So right, right. Uh, so anyway, we just try to use what I always say is I try to use art and science. Right, you've got judgment and and your brain, and then you have information or analytics, whatever you want to call it, you try to put those things together. And we, we found the right balance of that and built up a, a good finance business, ended up doing everything from subprime loans to prime loans for uh, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. And uh, then I retired about three years ago. And you know, one of the main things I was focused on, I was going to start an investment business and realized that wasn't as much fun as sports. And so I, <laughs> decided to try to buy a sports team and that took a couple of years and ended up buying the, uh, buying the hurricanes. Let me take you back a little bit. I, you know, you're very modest. You sort of started doing financing for companies like Jeep and, uh, and Dodge Ram. I, when you embrace sort of the data analytics, which is now all the rage, you know, and I'm here on my way to Sloan sports business conference, which is sort of the home of analytics where did that come from? Was that an innate love of numbers and, and data from yourself? Or you seem just way ahead of the curve. We're talking about many years ago. So if you would explain that. Sure. So, look, uh, I was what well, we we did loans and we were trying to predict the probability of default. And I was able to look at all the information. And back then, credit bureaus were printed on a piece of paper and there was fax machines and you would kind of look at all the information on a customer and, you know, in your brain, do the analytics, right? I was pretty good at it. I was faster at it maybe than others. And, and so when we started, we were doing loans and I realized that when we first started, I made all the decisions and then I had to train other people. And now there's two and there's three and now there's 20 people. And invariably, it's hard to get consistency. And that was always frustrating for me. I like, I like a certain process. So no matter how hard I tried, I had some good ones and some bad ones. And I think that's, you know, people, people say the 80, 20 rule, and maybe that's the right numbers or maybe it's not, but it's, it's clear that scale scaling humans is a difficult thing, especially when you're making in our case, 20, $30,000 decisions, you know, hundred times a day. And so mm. I wasn't comfortable with that. And I wanted to find a way to make sure that the decisions that were made were more closely reflected to the analysis that I thought was proper. And so 
that was why that was kind of how it started. You start start building up the data, start writing down, here's what I'm thinking about, here's what I'm looking at. Then you test that and see, well, was I even right? And obviously sometimes I was and more often than not I wasn't. And now you you I was we're really good at when it first started, data was really expensive. You know, now we fill up our iPhone and we spend ten bucks and we get more storage. Well right. it's not that simple it wasn't that simple twenty years ago. And so um you had to be real most companies were very judicious about what they stored. And I just decided a long time ago I was going to store everything. And, you know, we organized the data in a way that's commonplace now in terms of building a data warehouse. But 20 years ago, you had to be really stubborn to do that stuff. And so we, we organized the data in a way that we could then come back and analyze it and committed to the fact that, you know, the computers could beat the people. And most people don't like that. You know, it's not mm-hmm. any different than... You know, when people say, oh, you can't use analytics in sports. Well, you can't only use analytics, but you definitely can use them. And, you know, that was the evolution of our business is finding a way to combine combine the data with your judgment and hopefully come to a better, more scalable decision. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that about sports because I've been around it and you go back to Moneyball and you have this, the old line, hard line scouts, the bird dog players with their eyes and ears, and then you have the uh, – the more data-driven analytics. And I think you said it really well. So many people get caught up in the either-or. And to me, it's all they're all metrics. Game film's a metric. Eyeballing's a metric. And, of course, data measurables is a metric. And I think you see, I see that you kind of recognize that early on rather than fight it the way some people do. Yeah, you just got to get your ego out of it, just like everything, and just realize yeah. that there's a... There's a place for everything. Even when people say, oh, automation is going to kill the world or kill, cost jobs. Well, someone's got to build that robot and tell it what to do. And yeah. like, so there's, there's, you just can't be threatened. Just, if we all just keep looking for a better way to do things, everything will work out fine. <laughs> you talked about uh, sort of transitioning to an investment company and maybe even you mentioned being a little bored. <laughs> what took you out of boredom was – opportunity to get into sports that, that just sort of uh, come from a, a long time love of sports or looking for the business opportunity and, and the hurricanes presented themselves. How did that come about? Yeah, I always wanted, you know, I've, it's what my, it's what I enjoy. You know, some people want to paint and, you know, right. whatever your different, different hobbies are in the world. And mine has always been, you know, watching, talking and consuming and thinking about my favorite teams and, you know, like like most sports fans, why did they do that? Oh, I wouldn't have done that. Or we need a better coach. We need better players. You know, to me, that's what's interesting about sports, right? Everybody knows enough to have an opinion. Um, and right. as things went my way, you know, it wasn't something I would ever fathomed of most of my life. And you know, as as the resources, as I acquired the resources to make it a reality. I always thought that would be something I'd really enjoy, but you know, I was running a company and I didn't have the, I didn't have the available focus to do it because if I did it, I wanted to be involved. I wasn't doing it just to tell people I did it. I was doing it because I thought I could make an incremental improvement or difference um, in that, in the, in whatever franchise I acquired. And so, you know, I went about looking at franchises for a while and eventually got the deal done with the hurricanes and was that 
were you targeting hockey or were you targeting all sports, whatever seemed to come up in, in your search? Uh, how did it end up being Carolina Hurricanes? Any affiliation with that area? Tell us how that No, happened. it was random. It was, yeah. I looked at all the sports. Um, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of deals that, right. that are available. So I felt like I should look at everything that was out there. Cause you know, you learn whether it's MLS, NHL, NBA, MLB or NFL. Um, I've got two sons and they're most interested in the NFL. And so I definitely was keen on exploring that. Um, and, you know, ultimately, as I went through it, didn't get things done for a variety of different reasons. Um, the the NHL deal was probably presented to me at a time where I was a little frustrated and a little eager. And, uh, and you know, I grew up watching hockey. Uh, they moved the Dallas team. Right. They moved the team to Dallas right about the time I was in college. And so uh, Dallas had a unique culture where their original plan, I think, was put a big bar next to the stadium. And, and that seemed like a pretty good idea when I was 22 years old. Um, and so so I was consuming the hockey and the brand. And so I, 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 I thought I, I liked it enough. I watched it enough. You know, I had tickets to the games. And it wasn't my goal to own a hockey team over anything else but now that i've done it i really enjoy it um, i think it was it, in hindsight it was a great decision but it wasn't i didn't target hockey you know i've had other owners on the podcast and i've sort of asked this question all the time what what did you learn first year first second year whatever that you really didn't expect i mean most people go in and expecting you know, the football or baseball or hockey operations would run a certain way. The business side would run a certain way. Fans would react a certain way. If you had to say one thing, you totally just sort of caught you by surprise in your first however many days as owner. Huh. Well, you know, the, the thing that was nice that maybe was a bit of a surprise is even though these are professional athletes, yeah. um, you know, you have a, a, uh, an assumption of, of how people will act. And what I found in the hockey business is these, these are really good people, you know, just because they're good at playing hockey, they don't, they treat people very well. They're nice to each other. They're committed. And so the ability to have ideas and work with our players, uh, and how they treat, each other and the staff and new ideas. And that, that was a little bit of a surprise. I thought that was going to be a lot harder. I've been really impressed with the quality of human being in this hmm. sport. Um, and that was definitely an unknown to me. Most of the other stuff candidly is it's about what you would expect, right? It's, it's uh, business, probably the same amount of drama of running my kids, select lacrosse team right like there's it's all about the same stuff right everybody wants to play more and you know they have people that think they're better or worse than they are and you got interaction with coaches and and like you said it's just like every other business there's there's good and bad things that you deal with every day but you know for the most part you know this is it's a pleasure to be in this business and, and to be with these people and your interaction with other owners and Commissioner Bettman has been uh, about what you expect. I mean, kind of people like 
maybe backgrounds different, but sort of same interest and in why they became owners, why they became interested in the franchises, sort of a, a one for all mentality, hoping the league does well above any single franchise. Yeah, for sure. It's all two separate issues there. The other owners are, have been very nice to me. Um, yeah. I really, I really like them. And, and, uh, like you said, I think everybody has the best interest of the sport in mind. At the same time, everybody wants to win, and and it doesn't, you know, it. I've, I have yet to ever feel uncomfortable or or any lack of support in any way, shape, or form. And no different, you know, I would do anything for any of them, and I I think they would do anything for us. And that's that's a nice that's a nice chemistry to have. And then on Batman, I, I you know, I part of doing the deal, part of the reason I did it was because I got to know him through the process and I, I trusted that that he would have the best interest of the players and the teams and the league in mind, and I, I believe he does, and I, I, I've enjoyed my time with him. He and I disagree on quite a few things, but <laughs> it doesn't mean – I don't think it's a lack of respect or trust or, or uh, you know, I don't necessarily – I don't have any problem with him having a strong opinion, you know, and I, right. I actually – appreciate that he does because he wouldn't be a great leader if he didn't but um i i think he's great i really like him and you know it's, it's very difficult to get him to go along with all my ideas which which that's the only downside but that's the right it's the right it should be that way i know it right well tom i want to bring you to your latest investment <laughs> and uh 250 million investment into the alliance of american football Full disclosure, I've had Charlie Eversall on this podcast, I think about three weeks ago, as the league started, and he talked about uh, a lot of investors, some of which he sort of recruited out of Silicon Valley, even mentioned former NFL players, former NFL management, uh, and gave a bullish picture on investment in the league. A lot of things have been out there, whether they were having trouble with payroll week two, whether they needed a cash infusion what role you took on, what investment you actually made. I think the best thing for me to do right now is let you have a blank canvas and talk about your investment in the league, how necessary, how urgent, what is it going forward, and uh, your your feelings on the league itself. Sure. Um, look, I, I had seen this idea, and you know, for me it wasn't investable because of the risk associated with starting a league and will people like it and will you be able to get the quality of football mm-hmm. to get viewers and so that's not a it doesn't meet my risk tolerance um and then week one happened and it was pretty impressive what these guys accomplished and so i got to see some things and you know they had a, a i think you know they had commitments um that for whatever reason uh whatever they were dealing with create an opportunity where someone like me could come in and take away their need to have to worry about capital anymore and just focus on, you know, continuing to improve the product, which, which had a really good start. And so I got to see the first week ratings, uh, put in some money so I could see the second week ratings before I officially, um, made the full commitment I made. And, and, uh, so I went and saw a game and saw the second week and saw that the ratings, you know, held or increased and the brand, the brand is, you know, far exceeding, I think everyone's expectations about what it, what could happen when you start something new this quickly. And so, you know, once I came in, I, 
I've got control now in terms of, you know, I'm the, I have final say on everything. And, you know, I have the capital that can take this thing, you know, forward in a way that uh, depending on how much we want to grow and how much we want to innovate will determine how much of that capital is needed. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the way I've explained it. It's like any other business, right? It's, as long as there's demand, you know, there's no reason to talk about, there's no reason to talk about the capital anymore. Cause I don't need to raise it. You know, it's, it's in the ba- It's in my bank. So we're, we're in really good shape. And now it's going back and cleaning up everything these guys did. Cause everyone's working so hard right now to put these games on because it's been three weeks and I hope it's easier next year. Right. I hope it's right. less chaotic as we put in systems and processes that, you know, look more like what I'm used to. Um, because the amount of people that are working really, really hard and I'm, you know, so appreciative of in this league, it's, it's a big number of people that are working so hard to put these, to put on these games and given, given everything they've got. And so, you know, our job now is to support them and hopefully make it easier and make sure as we grow, as we grow this league, we do it with a little less, um, we don't have to rush so much, right? We got yeah. something that works. Let's protect it and then be smart about how we grow it. Now, when you say the money's in, I think the words used were your bank. Uh, is that opposed to being so in it's my, it's, their bank? I own the league, so it's mine. Yeah. So I don't, people keep making that distinction, but I have control. I have the majority control of the league and I have the funding. I've committed to the funding of the league. So as long as, as long as, the league's performing there's there's an unlimited amount of capital we have more i have more capital than the league needs let's just say put it that right. way so it's as long as people watch there's going to be a league here so it's it's i've struggled with this because the way it got announced it's it's a little weird to me because it's it's like every any business in the world could decide to not be in business if no one wanted their stuff right so right no one stays in business that people don't want to consume if no one listens to your podcast, unless you're crazy, you're going to stop doing it. Uh, right. But it doesn't mean anything more than that. So, yeah, the, the money is literally the last issue on the table now. It's now about how do we keep people engaged with this brand and keep growing it. And I don't want to harp on this, but I, I guess what I'm asking is if in three, four, six weeks, no one's, I mean, the ratings have, have dropped considerably. Does that mean you will consider no longer funding the league or is, is this be my decision. a year to year proposition? This. Like I say, I don't think we're any different than any other business in the world. As long as there's a reason to be in business, we're going to be in business. Right. Yeah, I don't know if and, that makes sense, but no, I think it the narrative it around it is just confusing for me because once I put my name on it and put my money in it, it's mine. It's like, why would it not exist? It doesn't even – it's confusing for me because why would I not build a business that I owned? Did you have investment at all in the league before no. it kicked off this season? No. None. Okay. I did everything two weeks ago. And did that naturally, I mean, this may be an obvious question, did that dilute the investment yeah. interest in all the other partners? Yes, I'm, I mean, of course. Of Anytime course, you bring okay. in new capital. And that's, look, 
I'm putting up all the capital now. Right. We're not, there's, there's no one to go. We don't need to go. The difference between the, the way to answer your question is we don't need to go to anybody else and sell anybody. You know, I put in the capital. So even though maybe original, any, every, all the investors were going to continue to get diluted if, you know, cause it takes capital to grow something. So everybody has a choice to put in more capital or take dilution like in every league. Right. Uh, but I think what's going to happen in this case is, is the capital we're putting in, the growth capital we're putting in is going to, is going to uh, create a return for everyone's investment. That was, was part of the deal before I got here. Cause I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't see it as a great opportunity. So talk quickly about that opportunity. This is kind of what, you know, I went through with Charlie a couple of weeks ago. You see this as a bullish investment, a developmental football league, something that's satisfying a need for football in the offseason of the NFL. What, what do you see as strengths of this product? Well, I think it's interesting because, yeah, the, the NFL is such a great league and such a great product. It's consumed by so many people. Uh, people are still interested in it. And to the extent that we can uh, provide high-quality football with players to get more reps to increase their chance to make it back to the NFL and then, you know, on top of that, develop new rules, new ideas, innovations, technology, you know, develop referees, broadcasters. You know, to me, that's the role. So we are, we are here to give an opportunity for people to showcase themselves or, or to test things that, that ultimately the NFL and maybe college or any, anybody who plays football might decide to adopt. So, um, we're just, you know, a developmental league and it's not just the players, but, you know, obviously that's probably the most important part is to get more players a chance to uh, get some tape and show people what they can do. And the single entity format, which I'm well aware of in the 70,000 per player, do you see any reason that would change? I know there are rumors about Kaepernick or Tim Tebow or, or getting a name brand player is no that chance. in your thoughts at all? I will. I will not do that. Yeah, I will not do that. This is a developmental league. It's not. It is. It is here to give people a chance that either were hurt and played for a while, were backing somebody up that was good, got committed, you know, recommitted. I don't know. There's lots of reasons why we all develop at different mm-hmm. times, different opportunities. That's it. So yeah, no one will ever make a different amount of money unless I were to change my mind, and I can't see myself changing my mind. Well stated. And then I guess I also have to ask about the XFL coming online next year, and I know, of course, Ebersol had, had experience with the XFL. They are going to be, as you know, better than I do, I suppose, that well-funded. Uh, do you see them as competitive? Do you see them as trying to take away whatever gain you guys make in this year one. You know, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I've told everybody since I got involved that, you know, let's just focus on what we can control. You know, in, in America, there's always competition. You're not the only mm-hmm. podcast, right? I'm sitting in a hotel right now. It's not the only hotel. So I've, I've always had competitors in everything I've ever done. I don't know why 
And I've never let my people think about that. I just think about what are we want to be? How are we going to execute what we do? And, and my instinct is if they're successful, it's better because it puts football, you know, more in the forefront. And, you know, we don't have that many games and that many teams that there's way more people in America that probably like football than we can supply. And so as long as the quality of football is good across leagues, um, and that's the question that I can't answer is I don't know how many good football players there are. I'm not, I'm not experienced enough or smart enough to answer that question. So to me, the risk of more teams is, is simply risking the quality. And, you know, Bill Polian and these guys have done a really good job attracting the kind of coaches and exposure that, that attracts players to this league. And so as long as, as long as we create a place where people can end up with an opportunity to show what they can do and there's enough players to do that, then, you know, what happens anywhere else doesn't matter that much. Yeah. And I just want to confirm, too, you're going to keep the eligibility rules like the NFL, three years removed from high school. You don't see yourself signing players coming out of college earlier than that. No, and I, I you know, look, I have kids and – and uh, I haven't dug into this very much, but my first instinct is, you know, football is a man's game. And uh, thinking about there are probably a very small number of humans whose bodies could handle that any mm-hmm. sooner than where it's set. And, you know, and then from maturity level, it just I don't even understand why that would be something to even consider. I, I think it's pretty good rule the way it sits and it's it's not something we're going to talk about really appreciate it last question i I just you've talked about sort of markers and ratings and i don't you don't have to give me a rating number but what what would you consider success for your league you're now the main person behind it for year one for the alliance of american football i mean so far each week has well exceeded expectations. And so, you know, my thought when after week one was if the ratings were to drop 30, 40% from the first week, I still would have been comfortable um, because of all the reasons I just, you know, we talked about. I think there's right. people like football, there's things we can do better than we're currently doing. We've got the app, there's a lot going on that I really like about. Um, the ability to get fans engaged with our sport. Um, And we ended up having growth in viewers and growth with our online experience, both the uh, live game and the, uh, and the app or the game that where people can call plays along with the game. And so, so, um, you know, my definition of success has evolved over the last two weeks because at first I said, well, if we can just, you know, dip 30, 40% and hold, that'd be awesome. And instead they've been growing. So I'd say the ratings are probably double where they need to be for, uh, Mm. for this to be a sustainable business model. And so, and that's before we, there's a lot of things we can do better, right? So we will have continue to evolve a better product, better marketing, better experience for fans and players. And, and so because of that, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see any scenario where this isn't successful. Like I would not put my time and money into something that, that, uh, 
I'm not a big risk taker. I like to get the odds in my favor. And so, you know, I, I, uh, I hate coming across that way. Right. Because, you know, you're supposed to, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to think we all should live our life and be humble. And I teach my kids to not brag right. and different things, but in, in a case like this, um, you know, when it's public like this and you're investing money, it's just if people take a step back and think through, you know, sort of where I, where, what, what different things I've been involved in and how they've turned out um, for me to make this my focus of both my capital and my time. Um, well, I already own a sports team, right? It's not like I need to be in a sports business or I need attention. It's, I think this is a really, really good business and an idea that can do really interesting things. Um, so in terms of, probabilities i think the probability of this thing being very successful and serving the role as i described it to you as you know we just described it yeah i don't know if it's certain but it's as close to certain as i can as i could be i lied one more question because you mentioned the word sprung to mind you mentioned the word odds Charlie, Charlie did talk about, you mentioned kind of the app and in-game betting, and that would be a differentiator here. Can you expand on that? Sure. I mean, right now, the ability to interact with the game is one of the big strengths of what, we've, of what these guys built. And, you know, it's in version one, and we're going to put a lot of resources into making that better. But right now, um, you know, it's interesting, right, to watch a game and say, I think they're going to run or I think they're going to pass and be able to right. use our app to do that and play along with the game um, and see how good you are against other people. And if you look at the success of businesses like Fortnite and most mobile apps, the idea that we can continue to evolve that game based on football and the ability to predict the next play and give people a good experience, you know, whether that's, you know, adding skins or different ways to interact with the game. um, I think there's a lot of possibilities here. uh, And I think it's really interesting. So that, that part of this company is very intriguing. I think we've got two parts of this thing that will do really well. The, the broadcasting really good football, as we mentioned, and then the ability to develop technology around the gamification of, uh, of following along with the football game, where we, the third part of that would be if you could ever have that game be developed in a way that people could also gamble real money. But to me, that's the third that's down the road. And we have MGM as one of our partners in this. And obviously they're experts at this and it's, it's a good stretch goal for everybody, but you know, the things we're focused on is really good football and a really good interactive experience or game that you can consume while you're watching the game to enhance your experience. And those two things I consider certain, and the gambling and whether or not that works between technology regulation, I just, that's not my focus, right? We're going to do everything we can to make that an option in the future, but that's not part of my, that's not part of my underwriting as it sits today. Tom, this has been great. Really appreciate hearing your background, your success, and your, your really sort of matter of fact, realistic view of this league and, and, uh, and good reason for it to be bullish on it. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Really enjoyed this. Hey, thanks for having me. Good luck. Thank you. 
really hope you enjoyed that interview with Tom Dundon. What an interesting guy. You can see how analytically thinking he is, made his fortune, success now with the Carolina Hurricanes, and now in full control, as he reiterated, of the Alliance of American Football. Interesting interview. Now, word from our sponsor, Bet Online. The end of February, you got a ton of action in the NBA, college basketball, NHL. This is the time to sign up for a free account, betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. When making your first deposit, you get that 50% sign-up bonus. Yes, 50% sign-up bonus. NBA, you know what's going on. Can anyone slow the Warriors? Can LeBron and Lakers make a run? Is Denver the real deal? College basketball, we're getting towards March Madness. NHL with Tampa, New York, and Winnipeg, Calgary all doing well. Can Vegas repeat its magic? All these things going on. Use your mobile device. Sign up, betonline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. And again, that 50% sign-up bonus. You can do in-game live betting as well. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That'll do it for this week's Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt podcast. Thanks to producer extraordinaire Brian Neal. Really appreciate all of you that follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Appreciate any Apple podcast rankings. Always appreciate it and the comments. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.